Hey everyone and welcome to episode 15 of Two Twins and a Mic. It's your favorite host, Eli and Sam. And we are thankfully recovered from our, well, I'm pretty sure it was COVID. Um, I actually tested positive to COVID, so it is COVID. Um, yeah, so thankfully healed. Um, it was a rough ride, I got to say. I don't think I had COVID before. So this was very, very, um, very much an interesting experience. I would say it's very unexpected. I um, had like this crazy um, fever and chills. Um, This is like now two weeks back. Um, And then, yeah, just crazy like shaking on my bed. Um, And then, you know, I'm sure like everyone else headache followed by um, phlegm a lot of muscle aches lots and lots of muscle aches and before that like um with the fever and the chills just insomnia that night i remember um or for the last for like several nights it's pretty wild it's pretty wild like i kind of understand now what people mean by like you know when they say like yeah i got hit hard by covid I just thought I I did have it, even though I didn't really test positive a while back. But um, I'm glad I was able to escape it for the past 30 months, because yeah, it is pretty rough. Um, yeah, so we weren't actually going to do a podcast today. You know, it's just one of those days we weren't really feeling in the mood, and I'm sure everyone has has moments and times like this where it's just like it's like it's a you're in a state of um almost like purgatory right it's just like you don't really want to do anything you do also have a lot of things to do but you're just like i just want to be a bum i just want to chill um and yeah i mean like i i've i've had a pretty packed month for august as it is so um like i had grading um got my second stripe guys this was last or the week before that so that was good and yeah, like we have a wedding coming up for our friend. You know, we all have respective duties. You know, I'm I'm one of the best men. Um, Got to give a speech, and you know, for whoever knows me out there, when it comes to speeches, like I can do it for work. I can do it for in a lot of different contexts. But yeah, when when the stakes are high, um, I just can't help but get nervous. And it's funny because I just genuinely don't even care. Like internally, I don't even care. I don't really like think much about it. But somehow, like in the moment, my brain just switches. And it's just like it, I, I think it like catastrophizes it. Or maybe it, there's a high, I put high expectations on myself. Um, but I'm pretty comfortable with the speech that's coming up. Like I honestly feel different, more different than usual in the sense that like I've planned it, I've memorized it. Um, I don't, I honestly don't even feel bothered by it. Like, it's just, there's part of, there's an old part of me, which is like, you know, the intrusive thoughts, the doubts, just like, you know, this has to be perfect. And I'm telling myself it doesn't have to be perfect and I don't have to think about it until the day. So, um, yeah, but it's just very interesting sometimes how the mind works and like, cause I'm trying to, I've been trying to rationalize it. Like even this morning, like, I don't understand, like, why do I get nervous about it? You know, like, <coughs> cause I don't want to be nervous about it. Like, I don't feel like there's any need to be nervous about it. But there's just still like some part of me that just wants to make me uncomfortable. And I just don't even know why. I've already given like uh, the speech, you know, in front of you and Amani and um, some other people. And I, I don't feel like, you know, I just, I can't seem to understand my f- like biology or physiology. You know, there must have been something that happened, but I, I was trying to trace it back in terms of, why my body reacts this way because as you know like in primary school you know the teachers used to force me into the debate team like i know that i I have the capabilities of being um on the put on the spot and just being asked to deliver something you know in terms of public speaking but um give me a time to like plan and and think about it like and i just seem to over like my brain wants to overthink i don't even know what it's doing with it it's just it's a very very strange experience just 
And like, you know, I've read that out there, you know, more people are afraid of public speaking than death. I think it was like the statistic was like more than 70% of the world population. And I thought to myself, like, that's just, that's insane. Like more people would rather die than, you know, speak publicly. And it's like, where does that come from? So clearly it's a universal um, issue, right? Or, you know, overwhelmingly a universal issue because it's more than like 70%. It's, like, it's a high number. And I think it's rooted, to be honest, in like societal expectations around, you know, how people perceive you um, not wanting to be like, not, not wanting to look like, a, you know, like an idiot. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure there, there's, there are other factors, like each person is probably different, but I just kind of understand it contextually, like when it comes to work, I'm just like, yeah do it but like when it comes to like even to a degree university you know there, there were moments where like you know I'm just like what the hell like why am I getting all nervous and worked up um but yeah other than that like um you know my our birthday is coming up also at the end of the month 31st of August so yeah I have some plans and you know it's probably keeping my my adrenaline um, or my adrenal system on high alert so I might jump out of the plane. Who knows? That's the plan. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Because I, I do have a fear of heights. Um, I can do roller coaster rides and everything. But as Sam knows, um, again, my brain, brain goes into overthinking. So like I will do the ride, but I will feel the nerves. Like I will be that guy who's just dead quiet before the ride <laughs> thinking <laughs> what's going to happen to me. Um, hmm. Yeah, so um, so today's podcast, I was talking to Sam. What I really wanted to address was the topic around Andrew Tate, right? So in the last podcast, we basically referenced him and we were just talking about Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson and, you know, this this idea of um, like how there's, there's a leaning by... Um, male members of society towards listening to these individuals and these figures um, so I, I personally like so I, I went back and listened to the podcast because I was I just wanted to confirm because I I'm not his biggest like I'm not a fan of Andrew Tate I, he's come up on my TikTok like once or twice like the algorithm like in terms of what my interests are and what he's about is aren't very closely aligned um, but as I said in the last podcast, like I do listen, I try to keep an open mind because I want to hear his perspective. I want to understand, you know, where he's coming from, what he's saying, because he was flooding social media quite a bit. Um, I will stand by Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan always, because I think he's a very logical man. And a lot of what he says makes sense. And I don't think he's as controversial as uh, people make him out to be. Jordan Peterson, mm, you know. I'm a bit iffy with him. I think he's an, he's he's very smart. He's an intellectual, but I do don't agree with everything that he says. Um, he, some of the things that he says like really irks me. Now Andrew Tate though, so he's a very interesting character. Um, like I said, he's a very controversial person. Now the issue I have with Andrew Tate is in some cases, in his. Um, when he's speaking publicly, <coughs> excuse me, he makes sense with some of his logic, right? And then what I've come to realize is Andrew Tate is essentially recycling a lot of opinions out there um, that, you know, um, from a male perspective, a lot of males will agree with, right? I'm not talking about the controversial stuff, but like certain things, um, I'm trying to think like he doesn't have a lot of content that I would say I would agree with. But, um, you know, he once talked about something around depression and I thought, oh, that's an interesting point of view. Um, you know, he was talking about, I think, what's his name? The comedian that, that committed suicide. Um, do you remember his name from Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, um, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, yeah. Now, I don't agree entirely with what he said because he was a bit demeaning, but like... He didn't agree with the fact that Robin Williams um, killed himself. And, and I thought, yeah, I don't agree with it either. Because he, he was saying that basically he took the coward's way. And I do think, you know, look, it can be hard and everything. But I do see his point of view that um, 
it would have been better for Robin Williams to try to understand his illness. So he was, I think from what I remember, Andrew Tate was saying that, so it was on the topic of depression. And he was saying that, um, well, if you take somebody and you put them in a prison environment, you know, of course they're going to get depressed. It's a depressing environment. I was like, yep, that makes sense, right? You can take a happy person, put him in a prison, he'll become depressed. It's a depressing environment. So I think he was trying to say that, well, what did Robin Williams really have to be upset about? Like, um, he, you know, it, there wasn't really much to be said in terms of that was going negative or bad in his life as far as we're aware, right? Um, who knows behind the scenes? But um, he was just saying that it, it was a selfish act um, and that, you know, he basically um, was thinking more just about himself um, you know, when he committed suicide, I guess he, he's basically saying that he's left behind people that care about him, that love, love him. And, you know, the, the impact and trauma on them it would be so high. Right. Um, so, and he was basically saying that the depression is something which is temp- temporary and fleeting. It's a feeling he was saying. So, um, you can't make decisions based on feelings because feelings are temporary. And I thought, I agree with that. There are times where I feel upset and I would think a certain way and or angry and I'll think a certain way and that feeling will pass. And then I don't necessarily want, you know, those thoughts that I initially had um, then are not thoughts that I have when I'm feeling in a, in a calm, regulated state. So I thought when I heard that, you know, when I heard him speaking about that stuff, I agreed with like his logic, although in the end, I remember he said something, he closed with something completely outrageous and like very egotistical. Like, you know, I'm, of course I understand this, like, cause he was in, in the podcast. He's like, I'm so smart or something, something ridiculous. I know I just thought oh, you're just a dick, right? Like you didn't have, you didn't have to end it like that. Um, so what I'm trying to say is like, he does make good points here and there, but essentially he's also just recycling, um, a lot of stuff and i'll just i just remember like on the point of depression he was also saying <clears throat> how like you know i think he was saying also like big pharma has a big role and hand to play with this in terms of like you know the idea is just like and, and doctors are p- pretty crap at treating this stuff because doctors will just give you medication to try to like you know oh you're depressed we'll take xanax you know like you know and it's like well you're not really treating the underlying root cause and issues so that's what i'm trying to say like he does make sense here and there but then sam sent me a video um basically exposing andrew tate's uh, true character and it doesn't seem like he's lied so if andrew tate is very direct about you know his history um what he does how he makes money and everything because the video that exposed him in fact just took clips from you know um, interviews that he's participated in on podcasts and just basically combined it together and put it out there for everyone to see now the issue that i have when i watch that video is he's not a good person in the sense of he um he makes his money or he made his initial fortune his brother so andrew and his brother through um webcam girls so basically um apparently andrew tate had multiple girlfriends around the world and as well as his brother and they basically wanted to come into money quickly so back in the 90s they like webcams where were a big thing or something early 2000s or early 2000s um and anyway so basically he exploited his girlfriends not all of them agreed to participate but he basically made them um cam girls girls, which i I think like they'll strip in front of like other people for money yeah that's right it's it's like only fans without um that platform i guess it was before like it's the it's the only fans platform before it like you know it became only fans yeah so anyways um the difference though for him he's saying is like his competitive business advantage was that he used his girlfriends as the um so basically he was a pimp he was pimping out his girlfriends right he would take an 80 percent. he would give them 20 percent, which is again like completely ridiculous and <coughs> anyways like when when i when i heard that like i was just like oh he's 
he's there's not like he didn't make his money because he's intelligent or um you know he's he's good like financially or he understands economics or he's you know he's a businessman it's yeah it's pure exploitation like he was just the pimp and he was controlling and he you know there's video footage of him beating up um like he was a participant in big brother apparently him and his brother were very famous in the uk in terms of they used to get them a lot on reality shows um so he was he was kicked off big brother for abusing um one of the girls physically um and then just yeah like there's just a lot of scummy content like that it's that's come out like in terms of you know things that he's been involved with also that he moved to romania not because they have strong christian values but because in Romania, Romania, the laws around um, sexual assault, rape, battery, etc., um, are more difficult. Oh, sorry, more lenient. So, in the sense that, um, you know, there needs to be like strong physical evidence of of the of the behavior. In other words, it's easier for him to get away because he. There were allegations made against him because he was again like um, operating as a pimp, basically where he had his own house of girls and, <coughs> you know, was just exploiting them, etc. as webcam girls. And one of them, I think, made a complaint about him having assaulted her or something along those lines. But when the police came, there was no evidence of assault. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're interested, look him up, like, in terms of, like, um, his backstory. But, I, again, the idea here is... Um, like the need to really be cautious when it comes to people like Andrew Tate, because, you know, there's no doubt that these guys come across as charismatic, you know, confident, like, yes, you know, th there are moments when you watch his video and you're just like, you're an asshole. You're, you're just a dick. Like some of the comments that come out of your mouth. Um, but like if the, uh, depending on how the algorithm is, algorithm is like, I didn't see a lot of that, um, that side of him. So, like, I mean, I've only seen a couple of videos, but still the side, the side that I saw, you know, paints a very different picture until you sent me that video. So um, even though I completely didn't like his vibes, but I thought it's just show, it's interesting to see how misleading, you know, people can be like they can try to pretend like they're charming and, you know, they're like they understand you, um, you know, they have like they're fighting for a good, well, you know, they're fighting for a cause Um like he, he just, I think he had honestly all the hallmarks of a cult leader or a charismatic person. And I was, when I was watching that stuff, like I was also trying to figure out like, does he sit within the spectrum of the, the way they call it the dark triad? The, is, I was trying to figure out, is he a narcissist? Is he a psychopath? Is he Machiavellian? Like what, what's his deal? Because he's, he's definitely a very controlling person from what, what is, because um, he uses physical abuse to control and to demean and um to get you know like control his girlfriends or whoever and he's also very um he's very grandiose like he, he, th he talks himself up quite a bit like you know like has a high sense of self like grandiose um and you know he he apparently like set up this business model where um you know he basically recruits other people to promote him and he gives him like $5 discount off his, it's a multi-level marketing scheme, but like to basically prompt his, he's got like a masterclass, something going on, Hustlers University, that's it. And so, you know, these guys basically get a $5 discount on their subscription if they can get other people to sign up. So basically he, they get five, he, they get a $5 discount and he gets this whole like ongoing commission or fee from people signing up to his university. It's like, it's, it's a completely ridiculous system. Um, and so, yeah, like so it, I was thinking to myself, okay, so, you know, he likes, you know, money to be fast, easy and cheap. Like he's, he's not, he's manipulative. Right. Um, and then, yeah, like he probably has a lot of insecurities, you know, and he just hides it um, through, you know, like, because I, 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 the way he talks about other people can be very condescending, very rude, you know, um, like nerds or, you know, the, like he'd say certain things about them or even women or like whatever. And it just makes you think because those, those qualities, a lot of narcissists, psychopaths, um, manipulators, they, they have that. And, like, and then they, but they're able to hide it behind this veil of charm and like, you know, humor and all this bullshit, right? Um, so, yeah, I just... 
I just think it's very important um, for a lot of our male listeners who, you know, because it, it has been flooding probably a lot of male algorithms to be very conscious and careful about people like Andrew Tate um, because it's easy to get sucked into into sometimes that world and what they have to say because, you know, the hu- our human minds, like, you know, I think a lot of us probably have a lot of good intentions, but then you have these individuals who know how to exploit and manipulate um, people, especially when, you know, in a moment, like sometimes, you know, everyone has um, weak points, blind spots. And so, you know, he just seems like he knew very well how to exploit, um, you know, there's there's obviously a, a wounded male, um, I guess, ego in the world. Um and so he's just exploiting that because I mean, there's you know there there are, there are reasons behind why men feel um, I guess emasculated or you know <coughs> excuse me um, like you know that they're losing their place in society or they feel less less in their energy. So I think he understood that and he was just exploiting that. So. Um, yeah, that's that's my monologue about Andrew Tate. I'll just pass on to Sam here. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, I should probably apologize because I'm the one that referenced him initially and I'm the one that kind of went down this dark path, not necessarily knowing that he wasn't right, but um, he kept coming up on my feed and my feed. And look, he, some of the things he was saying, was it was like relatively interesting because it's not like it was in any, any way unique to him. But what I think what happened was, if I'm correct, when I referenced him, I was saying like, you got, there's a lot of issues in society. And then Andrew Tate is kind of a manifestation of this stuff. And like, you know, and the reason why a lot of people gravitating or listening to what he had to say was because he is literally just the manifestation of how men feel. And I actually think now that, that I... I went back on um, kind of I reflected I was like no that's not that's not right nor is it true nor do I agree with it and then what happened was I think on the Friday it was a bit of a slow work day for me so I kind of just um, was just YouTubing (laughs) I shouldn't have said that because now at work they know I was YouTubing but um, I I was like you know what I want to learn more about this guy I want to understand him better because I'm like something this doesn't sit right with me in the way that he um he's kind of become so popular and then i came across this like documentary thing that this guy put together and it's very objective he doesn't really have an opinion about it just it's just a series of um extracts from various podcasts and all that stuff and then slowly slowly like the way he kind of came to fame now makes sense and he he seems to exploit women he seems to also have a lot of anger and aggression um towards women which is very unusual given his circumstances I, I don't understand why and i feel like it has something to do with his mother because he always talks about his father never talks about his mother and i think he has a mother wound and i feel like a lot of people who are generally narcissists or there's some issue when it comes to like those dark triad traits they generally have a mother wound and um it's interesting because I also learned that he has a sister and his sister doesn't talk to him or his brother. And so there's something... Or his brother doesn't talk to him. No, the sister doesn't talk to neither Tristan, the brother, or, or Andrew. And I'm like, okay, so obviously there's just something really like broken in this guy's head um, that doesn't seem to make any sense. And the, the thing that really made me feel um, uncomfortable was the way he kind of made his money or he's making his money... So he pretends like he he doesn't need money, but he actually isn't. He wasn't that wealthy, and so what he's doing is he's like some clever multi-level marketing scam, getting people to subscribe to his Hustlers University, which I think they they said he, they've estimated he's made about sixty-six million dollars from it. So he's preying more or less on people's um, insecurities, fears, concerns, weaknesses, whatever, and. Um, he comes across as like, oh, I'm giving you like the advice that men need to hear um, and probably actually isn't. So some of the things what he was alluding to, I think like kind of like men holding themselves to a higher standard and respecting themselves, like that's the stuff that kind of like captured my attention. But then all the other stuff, I was like, well, this guy's a bit going on a weird, dark tangent and, and it doesn't make any sense because 
I don't respect people that um, make their money in in unethical, immoral ways. And as soon as I learned that he was like basically pimping um, cam girls, I was like, no, this is not acceptable and you can't exploit another human being. And then he also made it himself out to be like, oh, he's like, I don't need women and all this stuff, but I actually think he's just like a big man whore. So um, I, I actually don't respect him. And I think there are some, some good guys out there giving some really good advice to young men. Um, but yeah, I would stay away from the likes of Andrew Tate, nor would I, nor would I actually listen to what he has to say, because he might he might trap you initially with like a, a general thing that most guys would agree, in terms of society, its moral values and all that. But he's not in a position to talk about ethics or morals, um, because personally, for me, any person that um, exploits another human being, particularly in a, any financial or sexual way. Is just a <laughs> deviant and he doesn't seem to really care about people he seems to just look at them as objects um, particularly when I, saw, I think when you saw that video as well like he was like choking a woman or something I was a weird guy it's very very weirdly twisted um, yeah so I do apologize but then I think what Eli was alluding to is really good in the sense that in life we I look I fell for it we all have to be very careful there are there are people out there that really can charm you and that can really sway your views and opinions um, and they on the outside outside they seem to be relatively normal they seem to be um, maybe just charismatic people but you know when you scratch a little deeper and this is what I learned in life and that's why I'm glad that I kind of went a little bit deeper when you scratch a little bit deeper you start to uncover things and it's normally things that you don't really want to know about or, or hear about and then you truly see a person's real nature because I've, I've made that mistake in the past, right? You know, you look at people and you take them at face value. And initially, first impressions, you could be like, wow, this person's really kind. This person's really funny. This person's really charismatic. This person seems to be doing well in life. And then I think like other people, like, yeah, particularly those that seem to be doing well in life, like as soon as people start to dig around, you realize they've got a lot of debt. They're basically scamming people. Um, maybe they're taking advantage of people's... Um, weaknesses in life you know like alcohol drugs um women whatever it is um and i yeah so you never judge a book by its cover do your own research question everything and i i think even even like religious figures like i remember eli and i were once were talking we're like there was this really popular guy who was quite seemed religious and he seemed to be saying the right things and he, he apparently seemed to be a very good humanitarian you know he was trying to change the world and he, i remember back in the day when facebook was more popular he was just everywhere on facebook and this guy seemed like the next big thing he's about to he's really going to fundamentally change the world and he was getting millions upon millions of views and just the way he talked he talked like a very like soft-spoken very like caring, caring or nurturing. Um, nurturing and i'm a, I'm a clean honest met person right and he doesn't get like distracted by all the the stuff of the world and just you know like dressed real okay, relatively well okay and like had a very normal haircut and he turned out so he was he ended up getting married and then he, his wife not long after getting married who and she f kind of fell for him because of the whole social media persona um she basically was the, the one that outed him and she's like this guy is so far removed from what he makes himself out to be on the internet or social media he's actually um taking hard drugs you know he's drinking alcohol as part of his faith he's not supposed to be drinking alcohol particularly when he's telling others not to do this stuff he's actually sexually exploiting women within the community vulnerable, vulnerable women within the community you know putting on the false charm whatever and somehow doing the mental gymnastics about what's appropriate and what's not um and apparently yeah so like he was he would abuse her physically sexually mentally all, all of this other stuff terrible 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 and she's like the i think she was married to him for maybe two years or within two years and she was like it was just a living hell and the hard part she found was every time she would tell people they would basically um shout her down or they're like you're crazy you're talking nonsense you're just making this up it's not true we've seen him online like people are like this is not how he comes across this cannot possibly be him and unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there 
that are charlatans, kind of duplicitous. Um, they, uh, they, they take on dual personalities. So what you see on the outside or in the, in the kind of everyday world isn't necessarily how they are behind closed doors. And the sad reality, it wasn't just him. Apparently, particularly with the Me Too movement, we saw so many of these figures. It doesn't matter what community, what industry, like so many of them were kind of being called out. And it didn't have to necessarily be famous people because unfortunately, I think what we saw on TV was only the really famous um, people in the limelight. But uh, it seems like there'll be a lot of people out there, particularly those in positions, when I say power, I'm not talking about like power, power. They could be a religious figure. They could be a father figure. They could be a person at work. Um, it could be it could be anyone who holds some level of um, supposed respect within a community or authority. And they're just not, they're actually not honest or, or really um, <coughs> transparent about their real character. And I think not to kind of, not to kind of make things, you know, dark and a bit sad, but it's just like, all right, so look, I fell for it with Andrew Tate. Um, I'm just saying to people, actually, just be careful, be weary, do a bit more um, research. And it doesn't matter who it is in life. Never take anyone at face value, particularly when they come across as overly charismatic and, you know, they, they just seem to be hitting the right notes from the, from the get-go. Again, like, generally speaking, the people in life who, who, who would be considered relatively boring or uninteresting are the ones that I, I find to be the most normal and um, the best people to be around. It's funny because, like, Sometimes people just want a person like, you know, a good laugh or someone in, to say really entertaining outlandish things. But those people, I don't know, they, they, they tend to have a very um, interesting background. Like they're not as, they're not as, um, they're not as black and white as we think they are. Yeah, I think, I don't know if we're allowed to say his name. Should I say his name? I like, oh, okay. So his name was Mohammed Zreka, right? He was a Canadian... Um, he was a Canadian personality um, and he was young. From what I remember at the time that we started like watching his, his stuff, his content, he was around 24 years of age. And like you said, <coughs> it's crazy because this guy had, you know, as you said, face value appearances, you know, looked very friendly, was smiling, you know, understood his religion. It seemed like to a, to a quite a great depth, right? More than the average per person. Um, you know, he was a doctor or he was practicing, he was, he was studying medicine, you know. So, on, on pay, like, he looked good. Like, he just seemed like, you know, he was a decent person. But I remember that moment when I saw um, that letter, that open letter that his ex-wife wrote and then a bunch of, a uh, number of other girls came out exposing him. This is around the Me Too movement. And I, I hate the fact that there were um, people trying to dismiss these girls it's like you said it's like no 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 he's not like that he's it's like this is coming from somewhere there's there's no they have no reason to have a vendetta against him but this is the problem with positions of power right or um because a lot of these people with these dark personalities they they get their supply from being in the in getting in the limelight and getting attention and getting that validation they just they feed off it they love it it's like it's a disease right uh, um you don't realize it in the moment not everyone has that you know not everyone who is comfortable in the spotlight has it but there are some people out there especially those who have a lot of insecurities right about their sense of self um and not everyone i'm like this is generally honestly like it's just narcissists psychopaths these are the type of people that um you know they have they have no fear about like going out there. It's funny this is all public public speaking, but they have no fear in, in putting themselves out there because <coughs> not much intimidates them, right? Even they do have insecurities, like, but they get this they get this sick, um, this sick what do they you call it like uh, drive or energy or like high from from being the public spotlight, right? And like people fawning over them and they're telling them how great they are. Again, it's that grandiose sense of self. Like, I'm so amazing. People are listening to me. You know, I must be really important. I'm so important. You know, give me attention. Give me attention. Give me attention. And he was getting it, this guy, right? And then like just to find out that he he'd been, he's sexually assaulted people, you know, especially vulnerable girls. So girls who 
um, were struggling in terms of like, you know, with their family or were struggling from a relationship sense, some of them married women. And they, they came to him thinking like, um, I hope I'm getting this right. I'm pretty sure it was married women from what I remember. But anyway, <coughs> God forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, but, because we don't want to slander anyone. Um, but yeah, so it comes out that, you know, he's, like you said, taking drugs and all of this stuff. And it just starts to make, makes, makes you question um, a lot of institutions and establishments and people who are charismatic in, in, in positions of power. Because like you said, a number of other individuals were exposed, whether it was Tariq Ramadan, you know, from France, or Nur Ali Khan, you know, again, another famous preacher. And it just, for me, it, I, I learned a, a, a big lesson. I said to myself, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I am never going to put my faith or trust in someone just because of how they're trying to represent themselves to me right because like you said you they're hitting all the notes everything you want to hear yep check 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 right but deep down they have like this other world that you don't know about and then it's hard for these girls to have other people believe them because you know they've represented themselves to society in a certain way and that's the classic narcissistic trope right but yeah like it's just it was it was just a huge lesson to me uh, for me <coughs> excuse me throat's still a bit off but a huge lesson for me is just um you really have to um keep your wits about you and just not don't don't accept somebody at face value because they, they have a nice smile or they they you know they it can be very charming it's like no 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 like like they you especially when it comes to these people that's when you have to always like be on high alert because they you know there's they send there's the like it's it could be the case that they either want something from you you know there's an agenda behind it like i feel like if you're a genuine person um you probably don't need or you <coughs> if you're a genuine person you wouldn't really need a lot of attention to feel good about yourself you if you're a confident person you don't necessarily need to like have um a lot of people just you know um like you, you wouldn't be bothered if somebody was to ignore you or you wouldn't be bothered if you if you just lived an ordinary life, you know, um, because you just don't need that level of validation, right? If it comes, it's like, wow, that's great. You know what I mean? But it's not something you actively seek. And yeah, it's just, it's just funny because like a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys also portray themselves as like these really humble and meek like men. And I just thought like, how like oh man that's just it's just so incredibly just dangerous to get like to to fall for that the 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 image the what do you call it like it's it's the representation like you really have to judge a person um, by their actions and not their words but also on top of that what if somebody you know is very manipulative with their actions the question then becomes well how do you how do you expose and uncover these people because at the end of the day, you will only really see their true character of these individuals behind closed doors or if you have an intimate relationship with this individual because they generally can't hold on this front very long, right? Um, they, it eventually, you know, uh, generally I would say three months, like it slips out. Um, but And it's, it's interesting because I don't know, like for whoever he watches Chicago Med, I'm learning a lot through the show um they they have like uh it's it's mainly about like a an emergency department and trauma um so trauma being the what are the trauma what they call it ed emergency department. yeah but it's like they deal with those those yeah. traumatic cases ED, yeah. yeah um so there is also within the show um two individuals who are psychiatrists so you got dr um rob dr charles and dr sarah reese right I think his name is Robin Charles, right? So it's just very interesting because this show covers the mental um, dimension or the you know the, the psychological aspect. And so Dr. Sarah Reese, um, I just quick alert. This is probably going to be um, a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, brain, chug chug. Um, so Dr. Sarah Reese, her dad turns out to be a psychopath, right? And like I didn't really know much about. Uh, psychopathy or psychopaths and it was just so interesting because the last two episodes in fact just before when they introduced Sarah Reese's father there was also a lady who was a psychopath and 
it's just so interesting to understand how their brain and their world works. Like Sarah Reese, her dad, basically his heart was failing. And so he's been absent. He basically, you know, he wasn't in his daughter's life for the past 20 years. And his, and his ex-wife like didn't want to have anything to do with him. Um, you know, she warned his, like his, she warned her daughter and said, he's a bad man, you know, whatever. Um, so now this guy, her dad is, um, a lecturer at the university, at a university. He is a doctor, not a real doctor, but like a doctor in astrophysics, you know, which is a very difficult discipline. So like, clearly he's a very accomplished person, but yeah, and then, you know, you see him like inter his interactions with Dr. Rhodes, one of the surgeons. And, you know, he's very charming. And even with Dr. Charles initially, you know, um, he's very charismatic. He's funny. This like, you know, he seems like a nice guy put together. But man, like the guy is just dark and sinister because he only... Um, so he intentionally came to the hospital that his daughter works at <clears throat> because he wanted her to know that his heart was failing. And the only reason um, he he wanted like to build that connection with his daughter was because he needed someone to care for him, and you know because um, he basically was becoming inf infirm, so he was unable to look after himself, or he was worried about him not being able to look after himself as his health deteriorated. So basically, he just wanted a cheap, free nurse. And didn't really give a shit about his daughter. And so, like, basically, um, Dr. Charles starts to pick up on the cues that tells him that this man is a psychopath or he's got an antisocial personality disorder. And, like, the cues... And I'm just, like, I, I couldn't, like, um, believe how they picked it up. But, you know, like, one of them was, like, he was uh, fiscally irresponsible, right? Mm. So, apparently... Um, and even in the past episode, the other lady, she was fiscally irresponsible. So part of, like they did just, a lot of these guys have money problems because they don't understand. Um, I think they, they, they're, they're very impulsive or they just don't really understand um, consequence, right? So they're very poor at managing their money. So he wanted his daughter to co-sign on a lease for some apartment in Chicago that he wanted. And like he, and the, the clever thing is like they, the psychopath constructs this narrative and this tale, like he was trying to convince his daughter in terms of like, you know, he's, he's got the money, but he just needs her to guarantee, to act as a guarantor. And I just thought this is completely ridiculous. Like, yeah. you know, and a poor Sarah Reese, you know, like, because she, 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 you know, she really loved, like, she wanted to build that connection. She wanted to have that connection with her dad. So she it was, she was conflicted about it. And like, just the, just some of the other things around, um, his behavior was, you know, I remember, I just remember the scene where like he's making his daughter tea and trying to act all nice with her just before like why he's trying to get her to sign the lease. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe he is a nice person and stuff. But in the end, like there's also other behaviors and qualities. Um, uh, I'll just mention one more. Like, so Dr. Charles sits with him, tells him that basically he's got this antisocial personality disorder. And I didn't know this, but he, he made him do a pet, like he had him do a, a PET scan. So they scanned his brain. And one of the neurologists was saying that his brain is actually wired in a way that he, he's born into psychopathy. Like his brain um, wiring is, it's just the way it is. Like um, he was saying when he saw this brain scan, the the neuro neurologist, neurologist, he was just like, this man is either a criminal. He didn't know the guy. Um, or, you know, he's like murdered somebody, is in jail. Or like he was saying, basically, he's a bad person just off his brain scans. And then anyways, um, so there was the other scene where he, Dr. Charles explains to um, <coughs> to the father. So it's the psychiatrist thing with the father saying to him, I think you are a psychopath, that like you have antisocial personality disorder. And he was basically telling him um, that he, he's, his assumption is that he's just there to take, exploit his daughter, etc., etc. And in the end, he agrees. Like he admits to the fact that yes, he is exploiting his daughter because it's a long story, but um, he admits to it. And then, but Dr. Charles wants him to try to see if he can like help him because that's just his nature. So he, he tells him like, um, like, you know, what Sarah is expecting, like the words and everything. It's just so funny. So he takes Dr. Charles' words and just uses it to manipulate his daughter 
so that he basically because he can't get on the heart transport list because um, um, I think him being having that antisocial personality personality disorder makes him a contraindication to getting a heart so basically he can't get <coughs> excuse me on the list so anyway so he uses that information then to manipulate his daughter and I just thought to myself bloody hell because Dr. Charles is sitting there and every word that he said was basically what Sarah was just recounting that you know her dad told her the truth and that he has this anti-social personality disorder but like you know I can't remember the exact lines but you know this 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 and that and she actually you know it was just like oh maybe you know he'll change or something but he was just doing it just to exploit her and in the end like when he's on death's door her dad and he he, he knows that he's not able he's not going to get his heart um his like real side comes out where you know his daughter's like he's she wanted to say basically her last goodbyes to this to her dad and he's just like what are you here for like um you want to say you know you want to make yourself feel better you know you want to what do you want me to make you hot cocoa and we sit down and and i was just like you son of a bitch you son of a bitch like there you go there's your true character you know because like it's for them it's like unless they can get something out of you they're just going to pretend that they're nurturing, they're caring. They have no empathy. Like a psychopath actually has no empathy. Like <coughs> in the show, what they said is like they can be imit imitative or mimic um, emotion um, or empathy. Like they'll see what, how other people behave and think, okay, I need, to, I need to behave this way in order to get this, right? So if I do this, I'll, I will be able to manipulate this person. So it was just crazy. So like he probably he knew exactly what his daughter wanted, you know. Like she wanted closure. She wanted to have last like you know good moments with her dad, and like he knew. But he was just mocking her and he was being condescending. And I just couldn't help but feel for um, Dr. Sarah like Reese. Anyway, so the point is just like Chicago man. So like it just it really helped expose. Um, because ultimately, as an individual who's an, who's an empath, you just want to believe everybody has good intentions. Everybody is kind. Nobody wants, like, that nobody, that you don't want to hurt somebody, right? Because I personally just don't want to hurt an individual. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, I don't want to see people in pain. Um, even in moments where I act against, like, my, um, you know, like, I will do something that makes me feel almost like why did i do that like that wasn't a kind thing was to say or do whatever like my consciousness immediately like i have that sense of guilt and feeling like why did i do that you know i just can't believe that there are people out there that just don't have that like it, they it, that, that that doesn't register like i can go around and you know <coughs> hurt people and feel nothing you know and i think that's the like that's that's a huge lesson in life for me personally it's like um, maybe I was a bit naive about the fact that, like, I knew there were bad people in life, but in the in the, in the traditional sense, like, you know, there's people that kill people, there's people that, um, you know, assault young kids, assault, you know, um, boys and girls and whatever, uh, etc. Like pedophilia, but like I didn't know there's like this spectrum of society who just have no feelings, and it just that scares me because like if you have no empathy, like you have no issue um seeing another person hurt and i just i just can't fundamentally understand that kind of like how how you can live that way like mm. <coughs> yeah i've i i really do like chicago men um there's a lot of like kind of lessons to be had from that and it's interesting because I'm, I'm obviously they've got experts that kind of guide them and say like this is how this character has to be played and blah, blah, blah. When I saw that, I was like, it was both shocking because we can all kind of visualize in our heads how these, these people will behave and how they'll come across. But like you said, the part where he was willing to exploit his own daughter and she just wanted kind of like that real connection with her dad. And he just saw her as merely um, an object and as an object in the sense that she had an organ that he needed to stay alive. Oh, wasn't the organ? What was it? Oh, I just wanted her to look after him. I'm sorry. Sorry, I forgot that. Uh, <laughs> like, this guy has no credibility. Um, look, I've got a short-term memory. Um, I'm just going to jump in. Like, I saw this video. Um, they were actually talking about narcissists, and they said, 
that narcissists have this thing that I can't like I don't understand the science behind it, but it's called object constancy or something. And basically, they were saying, um, so with, to the narcissist, once you basically don't do something, um, behave or say something or act in a certain way, in the way that they want or they expect, you immediately in their brain become an object, not a human being, but an object, right? And so that's why they will, because they see you no longer as a human being, as an object, they will do things like um, stonewall or give you the silent treatment, again, which is one of the worst forms of mental torture, right? And I was just thinking, oh, that's interesting, like how their brain works, right? So um, that they, they are able to have that switch. It's just like, you're no longer human. You're an object. And because you're an object, I can treat you any way I want. You know, you're nothing. And I thought that's, again, a very, very scary thing. So the other thing um, I want to uh, talk about is um, <coughs> like in terms of like friendships, how important I think it is also, um, you know, to be around people who genuine, genuinely um, want to see uh, the best for you. Right. Like they like the reason I'm saying this is because when you learn about psychopaths, manipulators and these charlatans and stuff like you might sometimes believe that um, this is not direct towards any of our friends, our friends like they're all good or great. But, um, you know, I've, I've seen it happen where you have um, people who think these individuals are their friends, but um Really, they don't actually like to see success for them. It doesn't have to be your friends. It could be other individuals. Like, it's people who, um, if something good happens in your life, and this is, I guess, why it's also important that you don't share everything in your life because um, it's not everyone has your best interests at heart. Like, you start to learn that, again, there are charlatans out there who. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, that's great. That's everything. But then they'll throw in like a negative thing. But, you know, but this this thing is also not working. But this thing is not working out in your life. Or, you know, you're, you're basically, it's like, maybe let's say you got a promotion. You're like, oh, wow. Like, they'll be like, congrats, you got a promotion. But, you know, um, it's going to be hard because you have to relocate and, you know, your family and everything. It's like, why, why can't you just celebrate the moment with them? Why, you know, it's like, but they do it in a very cunning, underhanded way. And then the other person is just going to sit there and, and you're going to think, oh, maybe they're right, this, 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 and that. Um, but it's just like, yeah, I just wanted to draw attention to how important it is to, like, because your intuition generally tells you that this person, you know, is faking their, um, what's their, like, their praise or, like, they don't actually want you success for you. Maybe they don't want to see you happy. You know what I mean? Because they fundamentally don't, can't achieve what you've achieved or, you know, um, they're jealous of it or envious, but it's just funny how like certain people will wrap, wrap it like um, you know present themselves in a way. So it's like you know, but I'm I'm your best friend or I'm your friend and I've got your back and everything. It's like, do you? Because again, you measure a person by their actions. Like, <coughs> I'm not saying you have to be a yes man, but at the same time, you don't shit on a person's dream, right? Um, uh, I, th I think you make all very good points and you know what guys I just want to kind of like wrap it up um, from here by starting off by saying like I, I've had a lot of um, introspective moments in the last couple of days and I realized how much kind of time and energy and, and life is wasted kind of worrying about you know other people and like fixating on comments made by other people or even like you know, letting other people's actions and behaviors interfere in your happiness in life. And and the sad thing is, you know, like life just keeps going and going and going. And like, unfortunately, people don't realize how their behavior, you know, or their words can impact another human being and how it can kind of really take away from their from their overall happiness and so I, I started to think to myself more recently because I used to be one of those guys that used to care about what other people thought. Um, you know, you'd see people's lives on social media and all that and you're like, but why, why not me type of thing. And now I've just kind of got to this point where I'm very like, you know what? 
like I don't really care what other people think I don't care what people say um, I don't care about other people's time timelines um, I don't care about other people's expectations I truly genuinely just want to be happy and living my life as best as I possibly can and with what time I have because no, no one's time is guaranteed um, and I think for me like what I've been looking forward to is like as we slowly approach spring you know you can see you can feel that kind of change in 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 momentum like slowly where you know the sun's shining a little bit brighter it's coming it's staying out a little bit longer and i always feel like these periods where things are warming up and like you know we're getting closer to summer that's when real like a lot of that energy kind of builds up and i really want to encourage people to just truly truly live their best life for for themselves uh, without any fear, without any expectations. And it's funny because Eli's talking about skydiving. I think it's good, um, you know, even with my friend's wedding, like he, I've been nominated as the, the, one of the MCs. Initially, I'm like, I actually don't like um, to be, in, like I don't actually like a lot of public attention on me. Um, people might not necessarily realize this, but I said to myself, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to really like just come out of my comfort zone and, you know, just, just, make yourself whatever you think will make you uncomfortable don't let it kind of dictate or control your life just it's like shock therapy and even like so we're going on um holidays next week and there we had kind of booked um not scuba what do you call it snorkeling in the great barrier reef but you know like i'm not gonna lie like i get worried about the you know the ocean and what's in the water and um and all of that so like for an overthinker before i'm even like swimming in the ocean like I've kind of got this this um, narrative playing in my head. I don't, I don't think it's a healthy way of living life. Um, what's going to happen will happen in life. Obviously, you know, be sensible in your choices. Um, but I think it's time for a lot of the people that are genuinely really good and have really good intentions in life and they mean well and they, you know, we, we've helped a lot of people, we've healed a lot of people, but at the same time, other people have kind of damaged us. It's time for us to just really live our best lives without any sense of guilt without any sense of you know i ha i have to give back you know or these people rely on me or these people depend on me because at the end of the day these people that to be fair that you're giving more to they're not no one's there to kind of catch you when you're when you're down you know we give more we give we invest more in others than we do in ourselves so try and fill your own cup um let's let's enter the new season of spring as, as as we slowly encroach into it with a very kind of positive healthy mindset taking more action in our lives um putting ourselves out there more you know as they say this is the generation like shooting your shot um there's nothing that's guaranteed in life um so so just do what you think is right and is best for you and stop worrying about others I, i'll just give it to eli for his closing remarks yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I checked one of my, I checked my Instagram today, and I, I got a message from a friend, and she was saying um, basically that um, I'm just trying to think if I can actually share this. Um, it's probably not. I probably shouldn't share it. Okay, <coughs> I'm receiving confirmation that I shouldn't share it, but um, basically the general gist of it is. It, it was a message that made me realize something important. Um, I, I can't give the context and probably background to it, but it's just the idea of, you know, as Sam was saying, like for a lot of us who grew up, um, you know, not as, uh, I hate the word people pleaser, but like, you know, always thinking about others, that it is in indeed, it's time for us to think about ourselves. Like we've given enough to the world and it's now time for us, like you said, to fill our own cups and to just enjoy everything and to because i'm trying to tie it back to what was said but um you know we don't have to be so responsible and mature as we are you know what i mean because this you know we grew up this way because um we we had the majority of us probably had immature parents and so we had to grow up very quickly because you know like it's just it's a coping mechanism but <laughs> this came at the expense of us having real fun, you know, and just like le like letting loose and just living in the moment. And I think it's really important that we let that happen. You know, we've earned it. We've done enough. 
um, you know, we've a lot, like a lot of us out there, I'm sure whoever, you know, can resonate with this podcast, like, you know, we've paid our debts and now it's time for us to just really um, experience the world for what it is, live in the present moment and have no regrets, have no guilt. And just and and now we have that level of self awareness about um, you know there are people out there without good intentions how to how to identify these individuals and to um, you know live live freely but also um, cautiously I would say anyways guys this has been two twins and a mic and I just wanted to confirm so you're saying you're traveling next week so it's unlikely guys that we will have a podcast um, next week. I'm not too sure because around the tech, I'm not <laughs> very familiar with it. So unless Sam teaches me and I, I decide to do a podcast uh, with one of our friends, um, I'm going to say we'll probably have we'll take a sabbatical on the, on, on the podcast next week. So um, appreciate you guys who are tuning in and listening to our podcast. And with time, we hope to continue to evolve the podcast and positive. And push it in a more positive direction and just a, probably a more structured direction too. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekend.